Welcome to the Dive Podcast presented by Willamette Week. I'm your host, Hank Sanders. Each week, we tackle a different issue that's uniquely Portland. So tune in every Saturday to hear a new episode complete with interviews and editorial that helps explain our city. From Portland's leading paper comes a brand new way to engage with the news, sports, arts, and culture. Stick around. Welcome to the Dive Podcast for Willamette Week. I'm your host, Hank Sanders. Thanks so much for joining us on episode 24, brought to you June 12th of 2021. We're doing something a little different today with our show. You know, usually we give you the news, we give you the 90-second news flash, but none of that and no second interview. We're just talking to one person. We're talking to the mayor of Portland today. We talk about a variety of issues facing him in the city of Portland, and it's a very interesting discussion. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this discussion, and with no further ado, let's run the tapes. Since we last talked, I think it was back in December, it seems like the temperature in the room has increased a little bit. You know, uh, we've seen videos of not only you, but other people, other journalists, uh, you know, the Andy No videos of people who, you know, might be controversial, but uh, they're being uh, assaulted and accosted uh, in public. So I want to, and even just happened yesterday uh, to you or, you know, day or two ago. Um, I want to go back in your head and tell me what happens What happens when somebody comes up to you uh, when you're at dinner with your family? What's going through your mind? Well, um, for, first of all, let me put this in some context. The, the fact of the matter is when you look at the events that have taken place in the city, predominantly downtown, but also throughout the neighborhoods, the number of events has decreased significantly. Uh, the number of incidents of vandalism has decreased significantly. Uh, I want to be clear, that doesn't mean we're out of the woods, but the trend line is moving in the right direction. And I think that's in part because of a coordinated effort at City Hall, as well as uh, the work we're doing to target arrests, uh, target people who have specifically been engaged in felony activities to target those arrests and work with the district attorney to make sure they're prosecuted. That's happening. Uh, I said uh, a month ago that we were going to change some of the tactics that we use and improve some of the collaboration that we have with other law enforcement agencies at the local, the state, and the federal level. And we've done that. And that's clearly having an impact. Now, with regard to people coming up to me individually. Um, I'm of two minds on this. Number one, I don't mind if somebody comes up to me, if I'm at the grocery store, or if somebody comes up to me, if I'm just walking down the street and they say, ah, oh, it's the mayor. Uh, I don't get a chance to talk to the mayor and I want to ask the mayor a question or I want to give the mayor a suggestion or an idea. I welcome that. I think that's, that's great. That's the part of of retail politics that frankly I really like. But when somebody comes into a restaurant shouting and screaming, uh, knocks tables out of the way, starts filming patrons, uh, threatening people who ask them to leave, that's crossing a whole different line. That is not acceptable and it should never be acceptable. And particularly if I'm with my child, I, I, I just call BS on that. That's, that is off limits. And if push comes to shove, I will defend my child. That will be my primary responsibility. And I, I hope people know that at this point. 
Uh, it's been a while since anybody confronted me in a restaurant, and, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, but but the bottom line is it, it does nothing to further a cause uh, or change anybody's mind uh, to come into a restaurant, push past the staff that was trying to work at the door, uh, jostle patrons who were at other tables so that they can get a few minutes of internet fame on their Facebook channel, um, making fun of the fact, I guess, that I was eating a hamburger at a sushi restaurant or, or whatever the issue turned out to be that night. Is there a little part of your head when it's going on? Is a little part, it's got to be some part of you that goes, well, maybe this isn't worth it. Do we, uh, you know, it, does that pop into your head? Of course. Yeah. You look, I'm, I'm, I'm human, despite what, what you may have heard to the contrary. Um, I, I've made decisions uh, for the safety of my child, the safety of my, my family, the safety of my neighbors uh, that have impacted where I live, how I uh, go out in public, uh, whether or not I have security with me. Th- those are all individual decisions that I have to think about each and every day. And, and so, yeah, it's always uh, it's always there. Is it worth it? To this point, I will tell you, it's absolutely worth it. I, I uh, am focused relentlessly on getting the city through COVID and getting us down the path towards economic recovery. And there's people who are trying to distract me uh, from that focus, but it's not going to happen. I'm going to remain focused on the job at hand. Yeah, I want to talk to you about some of those distractions you might be hinting at, uh, possible recall effort that that people are discussing. Like honestly, like on a, on a speak to me honestly on this. Does this concern you? Is this a matter of concern for you? Not really. Um, it's it's not something that's taking a lot of my my time or or my energy. Um, you know, no elected official worth their salt isn't being threatened with a recall at this point. Uh, it, it's becoming a fairly common strategy. If people lose an election or they don't like a particular vote that you took or particular perspective you may have, the uh, natural reaction in politics these days, rather than trying to change the dynamic or make a better case, is simply to launch a recall effort. And uh, so, no, I'm not surprised there's a recall effort. In fact, I, I think the day after I was reelected, somebody announced that they were going to run a, a recall campaign. Uh, the mistake for me would be is uh, if you know, I, I won't say I won't take it seriously, but I will say right now I'm not focused on it. It's not a top priority. My focus remains getting the city on the path towards recovery. And that's that's where my time and my energy is going. Yeah. A lot of people, Portlanders, Oregonians listen to this podcast and they're voters. So to the voters, why shouldn't they recall you? Why shouldn't they recall me? Yeah. Um, Because the focus that I have is based on what the community is telling me their priorities are. Number one, that's improving safety in the community. Number two, continuing to address the homeless crisis. And number three, getting our city on the path towards economic recovery, including addressing livability issues like litter and graffiti. And on every one of those fronts, we have programs, we have leadership, we have vision, and we have results. Uh, Again, I'm not saying we're done. We're not there yet. The city has been through a very, very challenging, perhaps the most challenging few years in its history. Uh, But the trend lines are positive when it comes to safety. We're, we're seeing improvements in uh, some of the violence that, that for a while was nightly, and now it's sporadic. 
when it comes to the homelessness situation, we're being far more innovative and creative and thoughtful in how we uh, address the homeless crisis. We're working better than we ever have with some of our partners. When it comes to economic recovery, there was a, a great article on the cover of, of one of our newspapers today talking about the dramatic shift that has taken place, not only downtown, but in the neighborhood business districts in terms of businesses reopening, employees coming back to their place of employment, improvements in livability. So the trend lines are good. And I would, I would argue to people um, that uh, when the trend line is good, why would you want to disrupt it? Yeah. Last question on this, and we'll move on to uh, to other topics. But uh, you talked about a lot of things there that you know, homelessness and economics, and, and these are seem very difficult topics. I mean, we've talked about homelessness before together, but uh, I mean things that require big budgets and votes and red tape. But if, interestingly enough, with the recall uh, movement on their website, uh, you know they don't talk about those issues. A big issue that they talk about is the uh, handling of the Black Lives Matter protests. And that seems to me like something where that seems like an easier thing that you could have done, where you could have said, hey, three hours every night for three months or however, we're going to be out there and I'm going to be there and show my support. Oh, and by the way, no tear gas is going to be used while I'm mayor. Do you have any regrets about that issue, considering that uh, it keeps being brought up as the main reason why these recall votes are happening? Well, um, let, let's be clear on this point. Um, I support people's rights to demonstrate, and I've been crystal clear that I stand with those who stand for racial justice and equity. I've also been equally clear that the police bureau needs to be responsive and accountable to the public that it serves. And on each and every one of those issues, there is room for improvement. I do not believe the police mishandled every one of the 100 plus demonstrations that happened last summer, nor do I think they did it perfectly. I think there were times when they overreacted. I think there are times when the use of force was unjustified. And that's why we have an accountability system in place. That's why we have training that is regularly updated. That's why we've implemented implicit bias and de-escalation training at a much higher level than the police bureau has ever been through. Um, Yes, people can say uh, that there are things that could have been done differently. There are things that could have been done better. There could have been opportunities to de-escalate that were not taken. But on the whole, I would argue that the record is strong, that the innovation coming out of my office is innovation that the community has supported and will continue to support. And I look forward to uh, making sure that our police bureau has the tools and the resources and the personnel necessary to be successful, but that it is also reflective of the community that it serves and accountable to the community it serves. There There are no easy solutions to that. And if you simply switch me out for somebody else, they're gonna be working down exactly the same path that I'm currently working down. $5.7 billion budget just got affirmed, uh, just got pulled through. Um, tell me one thing, you've already said one thing, but tell me another another thing that, uh, a new thing that you are really happy about that made it into the budget. Uh, and then another thing that uh, that if you could wave your wand, you'd be like, well, maybe we uh, we save the funds uh, and not spend it on, on this thing. So um, 
it's a small thing, but I'm I'm really excited about the funding for the Ankeny food cart pot. I I have Map said the same thing. Well, it's 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 symbolically important. Financially, look, it's it's decimal dust. It's a rounding error, but it it sends a strong message that the Portland that people know and love is not dead. We as a council are committed to making sure that our culinary uh, uh, culture here thrives and the food carts have always been integral to that culture. And by the way, the food carts also are disproportionately owned and operated by people of color, entrepreneurs of color. And so this is an opportunity for us to put our, our money where literally our mouth is and support <laughs> cart pods. Uh, we want to find designated areas where, where they will be protected from future development, where we can continue to cultivate our, uh, our mom and pop and minority entrepreneurs who want to get into the food cart business. And frankly, Portlanders love it. And it's, it's frustrating to me, but it took a year and a half to actually get this program going, but sometimes in government, that's that's what it takes, but I'm glad it's there. In terms of parts of the budget um, that, that I'm not happy with, honestly, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. The council largely approved my proposed budget. Um, there were a few additions to that budget. There were very few subtractions. Uh, I, I would argue maybe maybe the one area where I wish the council had come my way was on supporting the focused intervention team in the Portland Police Bureau to address gun violence. I wish we had, had additional resources for that program. Uh, but the fact of the matter is we can make it work by reallocating resources internally for the next six months. But at the end of the first six months, I hope the council will join me in supporting the focused intervention team to help us get a handle on gun violence in our community. Understood. Um, we just did an episode is coming out later, uh, later tomorrow. Um, the allegation, the uh, unfounded allegation, incorrect allegation against Commissioner Hardesty and then the leak of that. Um, why don't we know what's going on there? And, and when do you think we will have an idea of what happened? Yeah, good, good question. And, and I'm aware that, that Willamette Week counts the time until the investigation is over. <laughs> So here's, here's one of the unfortunate realities of the society in which we live. Information travels at the speed of Twitter. The demand for information travels faster than the speed of Twitter. The wheels of justice turn slowly. We are in a very thorough investigation. The, and I'm, I'm speaking somewhat hypothetically at the moment, um, if I were to come out today and say, here's the investigation, I could give you some insight into where we are today, but it would also jeopardize the possibility that the investigation could be expanded. In other words, as you investigate an issue, I'm speaking generically, you may find other interesting leads or other interesting insights that you also want to investigate related to the investigation at hand. And therefore, it would be very foolish of me or for the police bureau to comment on the investigation until all of those leads and all of those possibilities have been thoroughly vetted. 
I do get some information, high level information from the police chief, but generally the city commissioners are not in the loop on internal investigative matters. That, that is somewhat or mostly walled off from the city council. But I do get some broad information from the chief. That information is in turn being passed to Commissioner Hardesty. So she is being kept in the loop just as I am being kept into the loop. We would like the investigation to be quick, but we more importantly want the investigation to be thorough. The investigation will be done when the investigation is done. And I, I wish I could tell you a timeline. I don't even have a timeline. I don't think the chief has a timeline, but I can only tell you this. The investigation is being taken very seriously, both the internal police investigation, as well as the outside investigation with the OIR group. We, we have met with them several times. They have scoped their investigation. Um, it will take time for them to complete their investigation. And then we will transparently report it all to the public. And um, that's, that's what I can promise folks. Okay, last question here. Uh, my editor is making me ask this. It's a bit of a touchy subject. So if you don't want to answer, it's totally cool. But uh, the Blazers got to rebuild this thing, right? I mean, keep Dame. Everyone else is uh, is on the chopping block. Am I wrong? I am absolutely not going to take the bait. Look, uh, the Blazers had a great season. And uh, I was disappointed that they're out in the first round. I, I actually thought and frankly expected they'd get through the first round. And I think a lot of other people did too. Um, there, there's an old saying in politics, and it probably is a sports analogy. When the team wins, the players get the credit. When the team loses, the coach gets the blame. That's true in politics, and it's probably true in sports as well. And, and I'll just stop there, except to say, go Blazers. I'm expecting next year to be amazing next season. Grateful for the little things I love. Folks, if you thought that's the only marquee guest we're getting this month, you do not know Willamette Week and you do not know the Dive Podcast because we have another special guest next week. But hey, you're going to have to wait to find out who that special guest is. But if you want to, you can join us next week. I know you will. Same place, same time. I'll be there with a guest. Who could it be? Yeah, I'll leave you thinking with that. But until then, uh, make sure to check us out on Wednesdays. We have a Distant Voices episode where we get somebody in the newsroom to talk to another cool person or people. And till then, again, for Willamette Week, I'm Hank Sanders. Stay safe, and we'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Dive Podcast, presented by Willamette Week. For more information on this podcast or the biggest stories in Portland, go to wweek.com and follow Willamette Week on all socials. We're doing some really cool things related to the podcast on our Instagram and Twitter. Includes giveaways, behind the scenes, etc. A lot of cool things coming your way, so give those a follow. Special thanks to our guests for joining us, and thank you to Aaron Mesh, Mark Zussman, and Brian Panganibon, as well as the entire Willamette week family last but not least thank you so much to heather witty and ampmusic.co for the music that you hear on this podcast 
For Willamette Week, I'm Hank Sanders. This has been The Dive Podcast. Podcast.